Bell to Bell podcast, episode number 65. Uh, as usual, I plead with you to leave us a review on YouTube, iTunes and Spotify. It, it does help us get a push. There's a lot to talk about this week. A lot of controversy over the weekend, and that'll be coming up much later on the pod. That'll be our sixth and final round, and I'm sure there'll be some strong opinions with, the, uh, with, with myself, my co-host, John Evans, who you, you all know. You okay, John? Yeah, really good, Steve. Really good, thanks. And uh, I think one of one of our re- well more regular uh, pundits on the show. I think he's um, his third appearance. Top Manchester trainer Robert Rimmer. Rob, thanks for giving up a bit of your Sunday afternoon to record this. I know you've been rushing around everywhere today, but we had to record on a Sunday. And John and myself are desperate to watch the Zone show in an hour. So sorry for no. um, interrupting your Sunday. Listen, no problem. My pleasure, mate. Listen, is it? I'm glad to be on, mate. This is always uh, it's always eventful. So yeah, no problem at all, mate. Yeah. Anytime. Just a couple of things. Uh, we've got Jack Massey. I think he'll be out, but he end of April, May time, isn't he? Your IBO yeah, champion. Yeah, hopefully, Steve. Um, I'm hoping for April the 30th. Uh, yeah, that's the date I heard. Yeah, Bolton, yeah, isn't that's it? The date. Yeah, Bolton. Yeah, that's the date we've been sold. Um, hopefully, I should have a meeting this Tuesday with Dennis and, and the team and uh, get a little bit more clarification as to what's, what's going to be going on going forward and opponents and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the date I've been sold. So hopefully this week we can get something nailed down and uh, and get it out there. Yeah, one other fight I want to mention. I just saw his pictures. A fight I'm a big fan of. Um, actually, I think I've mentioned John before. And um, Josh Holmes with his injuries, his hands are both in a car and cast. And you know, you look at them and it looks quite serious. We're talking a really good young prospect here who who's heading towards the British title in eighteen months, two, two years. Is is everything going to be okay with his hands? Yeah, do you know what, uh, Steve? He's, he's, I mean, the, the problem with Josh, he, you know, he's, he has had bad hands, but it's not been a reoccurring problem from from, from his debut. It's been over the last three fights. Um, and, and you know, fighters always, want, and especially someone like him, you know, he absolutely loves it. He, you know, he breathes the sport. He, he puts everything in. But I found that every time he, he was he was sparring or he was doing things half-hearted, not because, you know, it was a case of, Every time he, he, he was just hesitant to throw or to do certain stuff. And anyway, he was back in the gym and he, he sparred and he caught the kid's elbow and boom. But but not just one hand, two hands. They, they started ballooning up and he was going all purple. So I said, look, there's a problem, you know, but it's not it's not the end of the world. If there's a problem, we'll, we'll get a solution to it. So um, he, he's been to see Mike Aiton and lo and behold, you know, there, there is a problem. So it's not, it's not, it's not a major, major problem, but he's got, he's got tears in every single one of his knuckles um, in the ligaments and every single one. Um, and he's also got lig- ligaments that have been overlapping. So there's the problem to to, 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 to what he's been having. Um, but he's had the operation. It's been successful. I spoke to him yesterday. Um, and hopefully he should be back in the ring within, you know, about, well, they said it'd be between eight to 12 weeks, um, possibly a little bit longer. But if he does everything right, he should be back punching by then in, the, in the eight to 10 weeks. So, the way you described it there, it sounds pretty serious, tears in every knuckle to the uneducated like myself. Yeah, well, do you know what I mean? I think it's been like I think it's been over the last three fights, and he's just been thinking, you know, it's maybe a case of there's a bit a little bit of inflammation every time, you know, he, he's catching fire and you know, his impact on, on the hands. But obviously there's been a problem and he's been making it worse gradually and gradually. I mean, the last fight that he was in. That kid had, had had an head like granite, um, and you know he, he really did have to had to change gear, and because he wasn't well in that last fight, believe it or not, he um, he, he was poorly. But you know he, he ground down and he got he got the job done. But I think it didn't do his hands any favours whatsoever. Um, but I'm hoping now, fingers crossed, 
that he heals okay and um, and we can get back on track and and we can start pushing him towards you know some former titles, whether it be a central area or, or an English or you know we'll leave that with the team and the kid's a talented, talented kid, you know, and he, he yeah. I think he's going to go places. So another one, Robert, I think it should maybe your greatest training achievement. We spoke about it before what you did with Charlie Schofield. Now, it didn't go to plan, did it, with Jermaine? I, I don't know if the occasion he didn't get started quickly or something, but how's Charlie been since then? Do you know what, John? He's, you mean, look, he's been okay. I mean, I've not really had to, I'm not really had to chat with him yet regarding the fight and you know, after analysing it and looking back on it. But look, I mean, Charlie's, Charlie, you know, and he's probably, you know, one of the most professional kids you've ever come across. Um, and yeah, you know, he had, a, he, had a, he had a great win against Mick Ellison and, and, and he's, and he's, and he's um, he's become English champion. Um, you know, he, he's he's had a career where you know he started out as an heavyweight, he's come down through the ranks, back down to cruiserweight to light heavyweight, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's 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 the super middleweight champion. Um, and that night was his big night. You know, there was a window of opportunity. You know, it's a boy dream. MEN Arena. You know, big stage. Ricky Atten's walking you out to the ring. Of course, there's a lot of pressure, but that's your window of opportunity. And I always said everything that I predicted that Jermaine Brown would do, he did. The way he come out from the shots he thrown, slowing down after the fourth and the fifth round, everything we said in the game plan was perfect. But look, it's all solely down to the fighter to execute the game plan. And sometimes it doesn't always go to plan. Yeah. But for me, Charlie didn't really, I don't know, didn't get going whether the occasion swallowed him. But even when we tried to fire him up and Look, you're the English champion. You're in your own sound. You know, I'd rather you go out on your shield, give it everything. For one reason or another, I don't know, John. You know what I mean? It was probably the most frustrating corner I've ever ever worked. Um, it was frustrating sitting here watching it. Because he, he came out fired up, you know. You, you could maybe too fired but up. You, I don't know. But do you know he, another thing? I mean, look, we know him. Changed, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what, John? We, we know him. I mean, like, you, you, you've known him from the start of his career, so do I. And, and it's only till I kind of look back and I can analyse certain things. Um, Charlie's quite a reserved and laid-back character. I mean, the the event and the occasion's big and whatever else, but that's kind of not him. You know, when he was kind of firing himself up, it was to me, he was now looking back, he's, he was trying to G himself up, trying to get himself fired up. I don't know. These are questions that I'm going to have to ask him, you know what I mean? And he's going to have to be honest with himself, but... You know, look, boxing's a funny old game, mate. And uh, you know, I think he's had, he's had a good a good career. And he's you know he's he's he's, he's achieved well. Um, but again, you know, that wasn't Jermaine Brown's no Rubik's cube. He was there for the taking. You know, he, he looked very nervous himself. And I think you know if you can't get past guys like this stage. You know, it's kind of tough, really. What do you do? Where do you go? Um, I mean, to step up to British level, there's some you know there's some great fighters there, um, and you can't afford for no slip ups or even to freeze in them fights. So. I don't know, listen, it's going to be a conversation um, hopefully this week and um, we'll see where we go from there. Well, thank, thanks for that. Um, I, I'm incredibly how frustrated you were there, but honest as ever, Robert. And uh, I think it's going to be an interesting chat with Charlie this week, but um, these things happen, I think, after defeats. You've got to sit down and be brutally honest. So, uh, and I know you yeah. will be. Well, do you know what, uh, Steve? Honesty is, honest is the key, isn't it? Listen, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just be straight down the line and give my opinion and and, and, and see so say how I saw it. And I, I kind of, you know, I've analysed everything, not just from before, but also after. How, how, how did he take defeat? I'm looking at his mannerisms. How did he react to it? Did he take it a little bit too light, too easy? Stuff like that. I mean, these are just 
this is just me analysing him and me knowing him as a person, but that's why I need to sit down and have a chat with him because you know what? Sometimes fighters can be happy at a level where they can, you know, they're happy coasting, but look, I've got a gym there, you know, I'm trying to create winners and, and I have that winning mentality. And I'm not saying Charlie's not got that because he would never become English champion to be to, to come off the defeat he did against Mick Ellison and to come back and put a performance, a career best performance in. But I just think, you know, at this stage, you know, everyone's got to be on the same page and you've got to be honest with yourself foremost um, and especially moving forward um, because, you know, we can't, I mean, I surely can't, I can't be doing another corner and being so frustrated. I mean, if someone can take instruction and go on, it might not work. But as a fighter, even whether plan A, plan B, plan C is not working, you've got to be looking to go out there and give it your all and go out on your shield, especially when you're champion. Um, and he didn't do that, you know. And for me, that's that that that's a big factor, and that's a big question mark, and which I need answers to. So we'll see you this week. Well, I guess that again. Um, we'll get on with a pod now. Um, Johnny, you got your bell, your clock ready? I, yeah. I yeah. think uh, Rob got us off to a, a good start with what he's been speaking. How he's been speaking, and we know he's, he's always got something to say. So I'm going to start this week, John. Um, and I'm going to start on the Andrade Parker Perspid. Um, been some criticism of not a lot, but bits and pieces about well, how comes Frank Warren's played one million three hundred and sixty thousand pound about in the converted to dollars. I think Andrade gets eight hundred and eighty four thousand for fighting Zach Parker for the interim um, WBO title, and um, Zach gets four hundred and seventy six thousand. Um, you know, as we know, our purse big work. I'm sure there, there's some sort of a deal, and, that, and that's incredible money, but. I just think this is a massive gamble Frank's taken to get an interim title to make someone guaranteed the shot at the world title. It's a, it's a staggering amount of money. And um, it's you know what? It's the sort of gambles we used to see Frank Warren take, you know, years and years ago just to try and get his man every advantage. Um, I, I was amazed at what the bids were. I think even Matrimony offered about 60 grand less for, to stage that fight. Um, I'm just absolutely staggered by that amount. And it, it, I think it's one of the biggest gambles Frank's made at a purse bid because, you know, I like, I think Zach's very, very good, but he's still got to find some way to go to beat Andrade, I think. You know, when Andrade, you know, show, well, you, you know, you almost think his best hope is, is that Andrade boxes 30 seconds around and switches off. And, and Zach can take it that way. But he's still got a lot to find for me. I just want to see what you guys think as well. Oh, yeah, John, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great fight for Zach. I, I think Zach should beat him at 168. I think he's got it. He's, he's big. He's, he's not a, a gutsy British challenger who's got to work his ass off, you know, and use the home crowd to will him to a decision. He's bigger. He hits harder. He can box. He's got a jab. He's younger. Andrade switches off. Andrade's not a puncher at middleweight, let alone super middleweight. Zach could be a light heavyweight. Um, I know where they're planning on staging it, and I know that'll pay for a lot of a purse bid. Um, and I know they're not expecting Andrade to take it. They think he might pull out. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's a, a good shot getting behind Parker. This, I, I think he can do this, Parker. Yeah, do you know what? I, I think it's a great fight. Um, like I said, I mean, it's a risky fight still, um, but Parker's got it all to gain and nothing to lose. But, you know, what, 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 what a task. I mean, Demetrius Andre has proven time and time again, you know, there's a reason why he's been avoided. Um, you know, and obviously he's now moved back up to super middleweight to try and get certain fights. But, I mean, was it Pride Park? Hopefully they maybe have it at. 
I guess I guess they're looking at that. I know there's a new arena there, but Pride Park makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, depending, you know, would they sell it out probably? Um, you know, they've got a few good like Nathan Ian is Stoke in it. You know, these are big tickets that they could put on there. But I think is it a fight that Demetrius Andre can get up for as well? I mean, if he take he can't take Zach Parker lightly. You know, he punches very hard with both hands. You know, he's, he can box southpaw, he can box orthodox. He's um, he's pretty much all rounded fighter. Um, and he's a big chance. Um, round two, we'll go with, um, over to you, Rob. But you want to talk about Kel Brook? I know John's got an opinion here as well. So you two go first here. Away you go, Rob. Yeah, so for me, Kel Brook has been a massive big talking point, you know. Um, he, he's done a hell of a lot to, to, to come back how he did and he was in fantastic shape. Probably one of the biggest fights of, of his career. I mean, I was lucky enough to be there, which we've just been talking about early off where um, I had one of my lads on the card. I mean, it, I've never seen a build-up to an event like that from the Ricky Atten days. It was, it was amazing um, and I'm sure it was unbelievable for, for, for Kel. And not only, you know, to go in there and put on an unbelievable performance, I mean, a dominating performance, uh, which nobody thought was going to happen. Um, and I believe he got a room at around about five million for that fight. So he's financially secure. And the big question for me is, you know, at 34, 35 years of age, does he go out on a high or does he continue? Because, of course, he's going to be big names now. We're going to probably see him over the hill and whatever else. And, you know, these still big money fights, Eubanks, you know, maybe Ben. And I know he was talking last night about Catrell and about Josh Taylor. So, for me, I don't know. What, what, what does he do? What does Kelbrook do for me? And what, you know, what, what, would you, what would you do? What would you say if you was his coach? Oh, I, I'd, if, I think he looked really good. And before the fight, if you'd asked me, Rob, I would have said, get this over and done and retire. But I thought he looked good. And the way Taylor looked last night, moving up to Welter, he's going to want to test the water, isn't he, at Welter? Um, I think Kel's got one more in him, you know. Uh, whether it's Josh, whether it's Josh Taylor now, it's that's become a viable fight. I don't know. But one thing I, I would like, and it's more aimed at Eubank than Brook. I don't see you, why Eubank's calling for Brook. You know, we've wanted Eubank tested at middleweight, haven't we? He's been calling out Golovkin. The last thing we want Eubank doing is shouting out a middle a, a welterweight in Brook. Um, I want to see Eubank tested at middleweight rather than picking on these smaller guys. But yeah, I, I think Brook's got one more left in him. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean. Go on, well, sorry, Steve. No, you well, carry Steve's on. Okay. No, no, I was, was going to say, like, I mean, go on. Go on, sorry, mate. I mean, I mean, for, for me, Brooke, you know, he, he looked great on the way. You know, it's how he conducts himself between now and another fight being made, you know, because he, he can go off the rails and he can balloon up so fast. Um, but it's very easy to look at that performance and you can look at, yeah, it was a dominant performance, but did Amir Khan offer much? You know, he, for me, he didn't really offer too much. So you're kind of judging off that performance where he looked great. But some of these younger, fresher kids who have been on the scene and been active, you know, would they cause him problems? Um, you know, for me, I, I think you should just call it a day and go out on a high. I mean, he's financially yeah. secure. I think that should be it, you know, and he's had a great career. I think you called it spot on. I'd love to see him retire. He's earned plenty of money. I presume he's, he's got plenty of it left. Um or if he is going to fight, it's got to be very quick. He, we can't have a he can't have a year out the ring and then come back because there's a bit of money. If he's going to fight, he's got to get out, you know, by September or something. Round three, over to you, John, and a, Scot a couple of Scottish heavyweights. Yeah, we must have all watched it. Uh, Nick Campbell <laughs> came at Parliament last night on uh, on the undercard on Sky Sports. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, I've never seen a fight like it on a big platform. You know. Um, but it ended up, it grabbed everyone's attention, didn't it? It started off so bad, so bad. And then they both dragged each other into this give and take war. Um, 
it was terrible stuff to watch. But it was, you couldn't take your eyes off. It was like a slow motion car crash, very slow motion car crash. But what do you think about fights like that being on these bills? You know, it turned into a crowd pleaser stuff. Everyone was having a laugh watching it. Do you think that's good? Would you rather watch a prospect in a one-sided blowout like we saw um, Hassan Azim getting prime time for a one-sided fight? Or would you like a fight like Charlie and Jermaine, you know, an area title fight? Do you think there's room for a, a heavyweight sloppy fight like that on a, on a big bill? On a Sky or BT show, yeah, because you know what, John? When Sky and BT um, aren't boxing channels. They're catering for the casual. And I even lapped that up last night. Big 18 stone, 19 stone, Jay, you, you know, who's got so many issues outside. I know him really, really well. I was with him last week and he told me, you know, the camp had been bad. He's quite an honest kid. The camp hadn't been great. He's got a lot of issues. He's a, and he's a love, he's love, lovable guy. Um, I think people want that sort of thing. It's not, you know, what I want to see. I'd like to see stacked bills with titles and all that. But, you know, it's wishful thinking. I just think, the casual fans would have loved that last night. Sky and BT aren't catering for us three. Yeah, true. For me, look, I mean, you only have to look at the commentators last night. You got the fight, the way it started off, you was like, wow. I mean, wow. Are we actually watching this? Is this is professional boxing? But like you said, you said the same there, John. You know, it did catch fire and it kind of got interested towards right. the mid rounds. And, and I think, you know, listen, listen, there is two sides to it. And boxing, it's the entertainment business. You know what I mean? Jim McFarland, for sure, is an entertainer the way, you know, look at him at the way and whatever else, you know. He, and, and that's what people want to see. You know, people, whether you like him or, or you hate him, that's what people want to see. And, and yeah, he didn't offer much, but, you know, he kind of made it an interesting fight. But again, it's, you know, I think it's the only sport in the world where you will be able to walk in. And I think we're going to come on to certain topics where you'd be able to do this. You know, you won't be able to do it in rugby or football, you know, these levels to the sport and to the profession. Um, and it, there is there is a, a fine line where it kind of become a laughing stock because, you, you know, you see better white collar fights um, than, than what we see in last night. And, you know, that that's that's a representation of a Scottish heavyweight title. So, you know, I think Johnny Nelson hit the nail and he had, you know, Scott, Scotland's not got you know, anything better than that to offer, which I, 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 we all know the app. The old days on Sky when we had people like Michael Holden win, from Manchester winning the British. Yeah, Michael Julius, Holden, yeah. 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 I know Michael well. Quality, but Michael Holden would have stood both of them on red on the same night, wouldn't he? So, yeah, I know Michael very well. I see him over the park. His dog tried to kill my little shih tzu about six months ago. <laughs> He's big, great Dane. True story. Anyway, round four... Um, what drives boxers on him? I think Robert would have an opinion here because, you, know, you, you know, your dad spent all those years with Ricky Atom and he was earning really good money. And, and I'm just thinking, Canelo's get this potential, you know, if he has three fights in Matchroom and the zone, he could earn £119 million. And I just wonder what drives boxers on to keep doing it? Because as much as I love, you know, what I, I love about boxers more is that, you know, the ones that live the life, I think, you know, who are brilliant pros. I always refer to Brian Rose, who you spent a lot of yeah. time with. Incredible career, amateur pro, and still seems to, lo to love the sport even now. But when these guys are making millions, I just, I'm just i just full of admiration for them, that they can still be motivated to get up in the morning. It's like footballers when they're earning 300 grand a week at 25. I love them because they get up and still want to better themselves. When what, yeah. make, what drives boxers on when they've got 100 million in the bank? I think, you know what, for someone like Canelo, there's a, there's a very fine line between being very good and an elite. There's not many people who can sit in that elite, in that elite club. Just look at footballers, look at Messi, Ronaldo, you know, true professionals, 
Ronaldo doesn't go out party, doesn't drink, doesn't, you know, any of that. And I think Canelo's in that same club in terms of boxing. He's he's conducted himself. You only see him, he's in the gym all the time. The way you can, you know, you don't ever see him really you know, off his head and whatever else and out partying. This time seems to be a bit of a family man. But I mean, money and numbers are just like, just unbelievable to even think, you know, and, and for, for the normal person, you think, you know, it's game over. But for someone like him, you know, he's always had that rivalry with, with, with Mayweather. And I think he... I think that's what keeps him going. I think, you know, even, even though people say, oh, you cherry pick this, that, and the other, but I think having them tests, like now with Bob Bibble going up to light heavyweight, he's kind of, he's not meant to succeed. He's not meant to do it, but I think that's what drives him. It's that gap between, well, no, you shouldn't be able to do this, but no, I'm going to show you that I can do it. And I think yeah, that's cool. that, that's the only thing that's kind of driving him to, to, to just keep proving everybody wrong, regardless of the amount of the figures that I put on the table. I wonder if it's easier for someone like that to carry on going, who's got hundreds of millions, and they can purely concentrate on doing this camp. They don't have to worry about anything else for the rest of their life. They can just achieve as much as they can possibly achieve, compared to someone who's earning 50, 60 grand for European title fights, where they have to keep going, they have to keep motivating themselves, because the future's not secure, is it? They have to keep pushing on, even though they're earning decent money. You've got to keep going, you've got to stay fit. For someone like Canelo, he's not got another care in the world for the rest of his life. It's life is purely focused on becoming the best he can be and setting a legacy. For other Do you know people, what as well, John? It's all about money. It's one of them as well. I mean, when you've got that amount of money, yeah. right? I mean, for everyone else, you know, if you want you want nice cars, nice watches, nice houses, nice holiday. He can have all that. He can have that for the rest of his life. So there needs to be a purpose to what he's you know to get out of bed every morning and, and boxing has always been his life. You know, he's never been able to have the things that he's had, the materialistic side of stuff. He's never been able to do that. But now we'll be going off just to get him all nice and juicer. You were superb there, Rob. And now you're going to start the next topic. You want to talk about weigh and the rule change that, well, not rule change, what's coming back into boxing from March the 1st. Yeah, so, you know, they're, reintroduced, they're going to reintroduce on-the-day weigh for for fighters. Um, and for me, that's something that I, I don't kind of agree with. Um so, you know, I mean, I know it, it kind of favours people like journeyman and stuff like that, but I think you've got a lot of uneducated boxers nowadays. You know, like I said before, you know, boxing is so easy to come into, professional boxing, and I think there needs to be there needs to be something there. That's probably another topic that we need to talk about. But, you know, you've got half of these people all of a sudden wake up one day, want to become a professional boxer, and one, for one reason or another, next six months down the line, they've, they've got the licence. But a lot of them are uneducated. Um, and again, again, coming down to on the day wanes, you know, fighters um, trying to make weight, you know, it, it is it is crucial. And, and and it's also, it's another fine line which can go either way. And, you know, you do it wrong. Um, I know these kids kill themselves to make weight. And it's shown time and time again. I mean, I, I've had fighters in the past that have done it, you know, where they've not been able to rehydrate in time. They've not been able to get food or whatever. And, and and it's proved drastic, you know. And and the, for me, they're putting they're putting the lives of fighters at risk. Um, and this and and like I said, it's down to the board because I think it's lazy. You know, it's money and for promoters and stuff like where this should this this should be no matter what it should be made um, where it's a day before no matter what day before weighs every single time before. Yeah, you know what yeah. you. The way you've eloquently put that, Rob, you got me doubting my own opinion of it. Um, see, I, my, my thoughts in it were, were 
it's better for the road men who might have work, jobs to go to, or taking two days out of work and stuff. And, you know, to cut them some slack for maybe the small hall promoters. I use Carl Greaves as an example. He's got a show with no title fights. And, of course, title fights will still be the day before. This Saturday in Newark, um, where he's got about eight fights, and he can now weigh them all in at three or four o'clock on Saturday instead of Friday and save a lot of money. You know, do we have to cut them some slack as well? But the way you've put it there, you've got me doubting my own opinion now, Rob. Yeah. What do you think, John? Yeah, like... Like Rob said then, a lot of the new people coming into it and kids who are young in their careers, they're the ones without the benefit of nutritionists and the knowledge to do it properly. And they're the ones who are going to be weighing in on the same days. And they're the ones who are going to make mistakes and pay the price for it. See, I, I agree with Rob. I think it's probably time now because of the drastic things that people will do to just keep everything the day before. 100%. And do you know what? As well, people understand that. Like, half of these kids, again, they're uneducated, so they haven't got a clue. They don't know. They you know they just think, oh, I'm going to stop, you know, and you wouldn't believe some of the stories. Oh, I'm not going to eat on that till this time. I'm not going to drink any fluids till this time. And you, you know yourself, like, that is absolutely drastic. It's the worst thing you can do. But also, what about fires that are travelling? So you, you're um, around six anyway. You, you won me over, Rob and Joel. Rob, <laughs> Rob, Rob, round six. Go on, John, fire away. Yeah, this is Taylor Catterall. We had to talk about it. Do you know what? I, we have a couple of rants on this, don't we? And we have a laugh about it, but no rant this time. I, I'm just disappointed. Um, we all know Jack. He's gone about it the right way, hasn't he? All through his career. He's, I saw a poster. He said it was 18 years since he's put on a pair, first put on a pair of gloves. He's been in the hard gyms as a young kid. He's taken himself to hard gyms on his own and put himself in, in tough situations. Um, I think he's been promoted terribly, like we said last week, uh, all through his career. He gets to the number one spot, gets forced to step aside, really. Didn't get a penny for it. Didn't get any step aside money. Finally gets to the very elite level of the sport. And when he's faced with that situation, he dealt with it. He performed above and beyond anything most people expected. He didn't let himself down. He did more than enough to win. And then two people, probably the only two people in Great Britain who thought Taylor won, take it away from him. And titles will come and go. Jack's going to get shots at vacant belts. But never again in his life will he probably have the opportunity to fight for all four belts, the Ring Magazine belt, the undisputed title, and put himself in a position to earn millions to look after his daughter, Riley Ray, and his, his Mrs. Lauren. And for a guy who had to consider going back on the roads and back on the tools last year because he had no money, to have that snatched away from him, I just thought he's incredibly sad and the sports let him down time and time again, Jack. It's just, you know, I watched it this morning delayed. I knew everything had gone on. I was with, I was at a show in Liverpool last night working and I was watching it just with Zelfa on a small, on a small phone while doing some commentary. Um, but I watched it this morning. I had it, well, well I think it was one, one, five. Well, it, it was eight rounds to four anyway. I had it. Um, but I just made, when I'm new, I made some quick notes here. Nothing's ever done. It'll be forgotten in two weeks. Um, you, you know, that the press release from Top Rank left me bewildered this morning. The way it was like some imputiness, not even quoting anyone from the the the, cat, the actual camp, just to balance it in, in Josh's... Josh's tickets, was it? His Josh's, name wasn't even printed on the tickets. You know, so Josh's favour. And, you know, I even had it out with Evan Korn, the head of media at Top Rank this morning on Twitter a little bit. But, you know, another crazy thing is, despite winning, you know, well, I'll use that word winning loosely, 
as John Hannon made this point to me, you know, it does Taylor no favours either. His profile wasn't great, and now people he's he's gone down in people's estimations after that. Um, and uh, you just gutted for Jack. Um, he should be defending that title in about. He should be going away now for a nice holiday with his baby, his missus, looking forward to being made for life, should be depending that title for two and a half million dollars or something. Instead, he'll get another title fight. Don't worry about that. He'll be lucky to get $250,000. And also, the governing bodies haven't said a word on it. The only tweet, I mean, we're recording this Sunday afternoon, so by the time this comes out on Tuesday, something might, it might have been overtaken. But the only word from a governing body was the WBA's Twitter feed congratulating Taylor on winning. It's just unbelievable. And it's funny, I was speaking to Steve Wood earlier, and he was listening to it with um, Jed and Michael Pass on the way back from um, their lead show. And Jed was in the back getting really excited because he sees Jack every day in the gym with Jamie. He's won it, he's won it, he's won it. He's been listening to the commentary on Five Live with Buncey and, and Barry Jones. Michael Pass said there's no chance. When it finished, no chance of getting it in Scotland. And Steve Wood called it right. He said, um, he said Howard Foster would give it to him. Victor Lachlan won't. And there's no chance Ian John Lewis is going to give it to him before it was announced. So there you go. Oh, I've had my say on it. And, you know, everyone's had their say. Go on, you, you can finish us off for the pod for this week, Rob. Yeah, so listen, I mean, I think everyone's of the voice of the same opinion, but it was absolutely disgusting. Enough, there's, there's no other word that can describe the decision. It was disgusting. You know, Jack Cattrall, he outboxed Taylor, he outsmarted him. His game plan was perfect. He boxed to instruction. But look, like I said, that was life-changing, you know, and, and these judges should be held accountable for their actions. And we talked about it time and time again, but this is someone's life that's ruined. How does anybody know now how Jack Cattrall's going to come back from this? How does he, in his mental yep. state, how is it, you know, because he's risen to the occasion every single time, but how does he come back from this now? And the only way that, that this can, can can be made right is if the board do the right thing and overturn that decision and then belts should be handed over to Jack Cattrall. You know, and, and, and if that's not going to happen, the governing bodies don't do it, he should be made lineal champion. You know, there should be something where he's put in a position where he's number one and, and that, that gets revoked for, um, because that was not a loss last night. And, and again, I think everybody's took it kind of on a personal basis, but it's bringing boxing into disrepute. Everybody's looking at, at, at the sport now and like, it's a laughing stock. And you know what? The boxing board of control, you know, they're all little cult. No one's saying anything. It, it, things are happening. Now it's getting done. But I think now, more so than ever, and, and, and you think you've got to say you're out to Ben Shalom last night. He's probably the yeah. first promoter yeah. that's come out. And, yeah. you know, he, he spoke. And that's what you need. You need people who are, at the, who are at the front of the queue, you know, the ones who have got a voice, and they need to say something. And, you know, um, I've seen an interview with Nigel Travis, and he was talking about Robert Smith. And, you know, he was like, oh, no, but he'll come again and whatever. Like, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't rip his head off. You know, and, and I know these judges, I think we've talked about it in the past on, on a previous podcast where we said, I said there should be a traffic light system because, you know, they're in the heat of the fire, you know, and they should be able to make these decisions, um, you know, split decisions and time decisions. But for everybody around the world who voice the same opinion, you've got three judges sat ringside who saw a fight totally different. And for me, they need to be held accountable. That's that. What it needs is TV companies, promoters, they, you know, Sky as well can come in here. Adam Smith and these people, you said of their hard lines, Jack and all that. And, you know, here we are with another great fight in two weeks. I know look, they work with Sky. They need to get together. Look, 
I'm thinking in football when there's been issues before, there's been independent inquiries, be it hooliganism, whatever. In cricket recently, with a racism at Yorkshire, independent inquiry. And it, rid- it got rid of everyone at Yorkshire who was involved in that. No nonsense. What boxing needs is an independent inquiry, like Ben Shalom was getting at. Independent captains of industry come in and tell them what's wrong. And these sweeping changes are made. You know, and your traffic light system, which you mentioned, I think it was the last time you was on the pod, Rob, is, is fantastic. This sort of stuff's got to happen. You know, with the border control, it's impossible to infiltrate it and get in. I mean, I've mentioned this before. I know of two boxers, one whose name I forget, and but he's spoken to me, and another one, you know, sent a boxer from this area. They try to get on the refereeing circuit. Now, no one's saying they're going to be good enough to be refs, but they can't even get an interview or looked at. It's just yeah. crazy, but we're going off the topic there. I just think an independent inquiry is needed because it happens all the time, and there'll be another podcast here in two months moaning about another decision. But by Tuesday, if Tyson Fury and Dillian White have a press conference this week, which I'm guessing they will because the tickets go on sale this week, it will be forgotten, and all the news will be them two snarling at each other. That'll be the story. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think something else that will happen, a lot of these... The people that turn up now with mobile phones on sticks doing interviews at all the media days and stuff like that. If Jack gets a vacant WBO title fight against someone like Barboza as a payder, like you say, Steve, for 200 grand, if he wins it, we'll all be afterwards saying, oh, you know, this must make up for that feeling of being beat off Josh. They've not got a clue, but for just looking at the trophies and stuff, that has taken Jack's earning potential. it's literally a life-ruining thing that happened to no, him last night. Nothing can make up for it, for you know, for flip's sake. Nothing. Because he would have been one of the few men in the history of the sport to have held what? four fucking belts. Four belts. But a guy that's basically a blue-collar fighter from a, a blue-collar town in the northwest of England. It's fairy tale stuff. It's absolutely fairy tale stuff to hold them four belts for a guy that took no no step aside fee, as you reported in Boxing News, for a guy that was on the tools 18 months ago at Christmas. It's fairy tale. You write a book on it, you have a film on it. Four belts. What's there been? Six or seven in the history of Oh, I'll give you know, I can't I can't say any more. We've got about a minute left. We're gonna get cut off, so you better finish us off in a minute, Rob. No, do you know what? For me, listen, it's like going putting a normal lottery on, but then thinking, you know what? I'll bang the, uh, I'll bang the Euro millions on. Last night, he won the Euro millions and he won it outright. Every number come in and he still got swiped away and nobody could understand why. He won it for two minutes. Between the final bell going and the decision, Jack had the winning ticket and then some Done. bastard come and took it out his hand and ripped it up. And that's, that's what a, happened. That's a great analogy. You know what? I don't think I've ever watched a fight and I know, obviously, we know Jack personally and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever watched a fight and I've been sat at home and I've had that sickening feeling. I even spoke to my dad this morning. He was and I couldn't sleep last night. And I said, you know what? I was the same. I was consistently thinking about it because this kid's life should have been changing forever. His family's life should have been changing forever. And them judges have gone home last night, probably had a couple of beers and whatever else and probably think he's forgot about and they'll continue when they've ref the next fight. It's, it should be... It's, oh, it's disgusting. There's oh. no words. I tell you, fellas, I'm going to get cut off here any second because our 40 minutes on the gas meter's gone. Rob, you've been a, a brilliant guest again. We'll get you back on in a couple of months. What I reckon, yeah. John. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>